The Humanalist Podcast sheds light on the humans behind the analytics that improve the things we interact with in our daily lives. We expose the great work that people are doing using information, technology, and the scientific process to make the world a better place. From the perspective of endlessly curious scientists and practitioners who think that data and insights come from the most unlikely sources. We're your hosts. I'm Nicole Decay. And I'm Emily Pelosi. Welcome to the Humanalist Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have the bootleg babes, Tobias, Betty, Lorna, and Bell, a group of -of out-of-work bartenders who decided that they wanted to give back to their community during this hard time. Every week, they create a specialty cocktail that's available for people to purchase, and their proceeds all go towards charity. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and what they do, and that's our first question. So can you give us a little bit of background on what you do and how it started? Once upon a time, COVID hit. Bars and restaurants closed. We were unemployed. Anyone want to take it from there? I can take it from there. We had all been working together at the same bar slash restaurant before this all happened. So on Juneteenth, we were um, doing like a free gumbo station with um, some other old coworkers and um, former restaurant employees. And we got a little tipsy at the end and we were all hanging out at the park chatting. We are like, how do we continue this onwards and continue feeding or providing drinks? for a good cause to the people. Um, And that's kind of how the idea was born. Basically, how do we give people free alcohol? Can you tell us a little bit about how it works? It's, I mean, once we got this, I feel like the first weeks were probably a little different in that we were trying to like, it was very much people we knew. We were just like, hey, we're trying a thing. Like, let's just test it out. And then now that we've kind of hit a groove, we post our available drinks on Mondays where you usually, we always do three drinks. Normally it's one that we are recurring week after week and, and two new ones. It's just for us, we're always trying to keep it fresh and interesting. Just to keep ourselves entertained. And then sometimes we throw in jello shots. We very often we throw in jello shots because Betty is, is a jello shot master. My um, also, project. It's important to note that we post, did you say post on Instagram? Yeah, everything's through Instagram. Yeah, that's the key. Is it's all run on Instagram. Yeah, and then people will just DM us with orders. Every Friday we get together and put all the drinks together in big batches and then bag them up um, and then divvy in between our each of us to go out and do deliveries. Uh, did I miss anything? Nope, we post the menu Monday. We deliver Saturday and Sunday. Very simple. I'll run through Instagram and folks pay most of the time online. Um we have some customers we like enough to let us pay cash. One. one <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so looking through looking through your Instagram, bootleg.babes, in case anyone listening wants to know, and I see some really delicious drinks. How do you come up with the recipes? I think was the first one we made or like had the idea of the spicy lady. Yeah, that was the first week. That was why the first thing we knew we wanted to do was a spicy margarita because it's the, the yeah. comfort drink that everybody wants right now. That's my favorite thing. Truth, But I feel like a lot of what we do is based on what we can get our hands on. I know that like Lorna's mom harvests. What do you do to bees? Raise bees? What's it called when? uh, Oh, yeah. Her mom keeps bees. Keeps bees. And then the beekeeper (laughs) comes and she gets the honey from the hive. So that like ended up with a drink. And then Betty's mom had a bunch of mint. And so that 
obviously produced like a mojito-based drink. My mom also oh. makes shrubs that we've used. And I think that Tobias is quite possibly the most amazing. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> the most amazing, like coming up with like this week, he made a pink peppercorn syrup that was really amazing in the watermelon drink. And I think that he, he creates some wild, funky addition to every drink every week, I feel like. Where do you get that inspiration from? I, right now, especially because it's, it's weird. Like, I was really excited before the, the current times to get to do seasonal drinks at the bar I was working at. I had a lot of control over the menu. It was going to be the first year I was going to be able to do recurring seasonal stuff. And it was doing that home alone wasn't very fun. So now with this, it's like, oh, like this week, watermelon, like watermelons are, it was, are fresh and amazing. So it's like, what can we do with that? It's all stuff with like fresh citrus or just it's summer. So let's drink as much rum and tequila as possible. I don't know. There's a thousand drink ideas floating around. <laughs> it's, That's awesome. For me, it's hard to whittle down. A lot of it is like elevating drinks using ingredients that are either given to us for free through gardens or donations or infusing a cheaper liquor, not cheap, but cheaper or less expensive liquor to Available make it more interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And then that means when we are, because this whole purpose of this is to donate and give that money elsewhere, Every if we can keep our costs as low as possible, if we're effectively doing that, then that proceed amount is larger. So we get super resourceful with how to make these drinks really interesting just so that there's the biggest amount of money on the other side of it, but also so that people are engaged enough to actually actually buy it. It's not just a typical cocktail that you could buy at, you know, all the other bars, restaurants doing to go cocktails. It's it's different enough. Yeah. I was thinking because ours are doubles. Is. Yeah. Ours are doubles. They're, <laughs> they're extremely boozy. <laughs> um, and also because there's a, you, you lose a lot getting a drink delivered and like in a bag that you would normally get having something freshly made. I feel like I think people are probably learning that with stuff to go and trying to home bartend that there's, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem like, do it. it doesn't seem like that much, but like the difference between a drink that was shaken right in front of, like shaken and poured into that glass and that first sip with all that aeration and all these little minor things versus like something that's going to have a bag, you lose some of the nuance. Um, so being able to like pack in a lot of flavor and give people something unexpected. Um, I think like maybe like this week with like the punch, like I know for you guys, like with shrub and like weird rums, it's just something that people are like, if they're feeling adventurous, that even though they're not going to get like service and all the other things you miss at a bar, they might get a flavor that speaks to them. That's a good point. I think everyone thinks they're a home bartender until until they try it. They think they're a bartender until they try it at home and realize that they're not. Um, and so <laughs> there's there's that. And then there's also um, I don't know anyone that has fresh honey fresh honey available in their backyard or you know the skill set to make a peppercorn infused syrup. Like that sounds amazing. So. Um, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing that. And that really sounds like an elevated at home cocktail experience. Um, Lorna, it looked like you were going to say something and I interrupted you. That's fine. Also, people are willing to buy more expensive handcrafted drinks that are doubles, maybe perhaps more than they would at a bar pre COVID because the money is going to somewhere really dope every week. And we change that every week. But, you know, for instance, I probably wouldn't sit down at a bar and spend $17 on a really boozy cocktail unless it was like a very special occasion. But if a ton of that money, like most of the 
that money or like the entire proceeds are going to a cause that I care about, people are like, yeah, I'll try an experimental, weird sounding 20 ingredient cocktail delivered. Peanut butter whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. That one was good. (laughs) Have you, have you seen what, what Canlis is doing with their takeout? They're doing large format, right? Like big, like full kits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you can get like their Canlis salad and like this amazing roast. And it's of course like still kind of like Canlis takeout price, but it's an amazing spread for, you know, a takeout experience. So you're sound, you guys are sounding like the, the canless of drink delivery. Like these are high end delicious drinks. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, Pog. Pog, yes, Pog oh. is where it's at. Um, but Bell, I wanted to go back to you about what you were starting to say about um, the causes that you're working toward, both you and Lorna mentioned that. So this might be a good way to pivot into that. So the first line of your Instagram says cocktails for a cause. Can you tell us more about the causes that you've worked for? And Lorna, you mentioned that they're, they change every week. So just tell us more about your mission. Um, it started. So the, the, when Lorna was mentioning the origins of all this with the gumbo on Juneteenth, that initial donation was to the trans women of color solidarity network. Um, and we sustained that donation into our first week with bootleg. Um, and then moving forward, we've been alternating different BIPOC organizations week by week. How many have we done now? Does anybody know how many weeks we've done this? And local. This will be our sixth. Yeah. So six different, this will be upcoming weeks. Yeah. So six different selected organizations, local BIPOC organizations that we've donated week by week. And I think we try to rotate through um, orgs and causes like food-based and arts and, um, you know, just different pockets of the Seattle network and the Seattle scene. So we've done, you know, like Rainier Valley Food Bank. Um, and then this week was Wanawari. And so it's just different. We've done, yeah. So we went to Wamish, I think was one of them. Yeah. And the Lavender Rights Project. Is the Lavender Rights Project about bees? No, it's a trans legal aid uh, wow. system. I'm just going to facepalm on that one. Hashtag <laughs> save the bees. The bees. I, I love that. My mom would be into it. <laughs> I do want to emphasize um, the fact that I think that it's really important to all of us that we're donating to organizations like in our area. There's nothing more important than community. And <laughs> the fact that this is the community that we live and work um, and exist in. I know that there are lots of nationwide organizations that are doing really great things. Right. But a lot of times you don't it's not going to like where you live and work and are from. Um, and you also don't necessarily know where all that money from certain nationwide organizations, very well known nationwide organizations are going. Mm-hmm. So I think with us, we've worked with some of these organizations before, um, whether that be volunteering or um, donating or working within the community with these organizations. So I think that that's really important for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way it's set up is really ideal to the people that are ordering from us because they are receiving a cocktail. They're receiving a very boozy cocktail and in exchange, the money they're giving for that is going to an organization selected 
that we've selected that have, we've found to be incredible. So it kind of, it's kind of like this really, uh, there's a word I'm not thinking of right now. That exchange is really effective. And it's kind of like, you know, you can, right now you can ask people to donate and give their money to certain places. Now there might be hesitation of where to give and they maybe don't know to give locally. And if they do want to give locally, they don't know where to give. But there's this structure that we have week by week of, you could be giving every single week. You can also be getting this cocktail every single week so that you're reminded to order. You're reminded to give every week and we'll take care of, you know, taking your money and putting it where we think it's valuable. <laughs> with receipts, um, with receipts. With receipts. Yeah. And we post those every Sunday, <laughs> like, you know, but that's the thing is um, there is that transparency on our end too. We're showing where the money's going. We believe in the places where the money's going. The system that we've, put in place of work was worked pretty well. I feel like I love that. Thanks for walking us through the background of, of why you donate. And I love that it's local. I was going to ask if it sounded like these were all local organizations. So I think that's super cool. Uh, One of Nicole's genius questions on our list um, is going down that road. And we, we want to hear from each of you on this. Why is it important that you donate? Like what's important about it for you? Like clearly you're, you're all drawn together by a love of a tasty boozy cocktail, but also this mission. So why is that important to each of you? For me, because it has to be like coming from different marginalized communities, like especially identify, like identifying as how I do, like this is, this is what, community like working with and in the community and for the community looks like it's it's not a question of like why why is like social justice important to you like it has to be i i i worry for anyone who says that it's not right (laughs) awesome thanks for sharing and i love that this is um this is the way that like it's taking your skill set to contribute back to the community like i think sometimes people think about like one way of of attack or tackling social justice, but it's really about finding, making things better in your corner of the world, the best way that you can. And if the best way that you can is selling boozy cocktails and finding the right causes uh, that can help profit from that, then that's, that's awesome. All right. Who's next? Um, I second Betty. I, I don't think that like, I need to add any more to that or my voice to it. Like it's obvious to me and I don't really want to be in community for somebody that isn't doing that work at this point yeah i agree i a third betty (laughs) (laughs) uh and i think trying to verbalize and justify why is yeah is harming that statement it just it just has to matter absolutely and i think also like we like we i think we continue doing this because it's work that we know how to do well and that we enjoy doing but we started doing it because we wanted to continue giving back like we wanted to find ways to do that and that we went to our skill set. Um, I think if we viewed it from like, oh, like, otherwise we just launched a, like, if we weren't for like donating and giving back, we just cut a bunch of corners to launch a, a business that's not like fully legit um, in a hard time for our entire industry. And like, I don't think that's something that any of us really are interested in doing in terms of like taking profit for ourselves. Not that we're not like, we deliver drinks once a week. Like, I don't think we would, we wouldn't make enough money to like be a business or keep ourselves afloat, but it's enough to like make a positive impact, hopefully for these organizations. Uh, I mean, I honestly think most of us end up 
putting some of our own money in just in uh, we try to be really good about reimbursing ourselves for things, but we're not. <laughs> and the, the money side of it in terms of taking it out is just isn't important to us right now. I was just going to say, like, it's also really fun to sound selfish about all of this stuff for a second. I know that I, I mean, I know that a big part of of the entire world dealing with the stress that COVID right has put on all of us and millions of folks are unemployed and without health insurance uh which we should that's i'm making a mental note something about healthcare to donate to next week um my point was that like we've got to find ways to take care of ourselves and one of the ways i think that we all like we all i am gonna try to speak for you we fucking love bartending i hate people but i love bartending i love (laughs) coming up with drinks. I love drinking. I love the act of making drinks, drinking drinks, and the people that you meet um, along the way. And I think that that's one of the things that we've all missed about being unemployed for the last 20 weeks is that socialization. And so it's really dope to be able to come together with three former coworkers and friends, but also spread that to folks in our community. That's wonderful. And so for those of our listeners who aren't very close to the restaurant and the bar community, can you just give people a sense of what it's been like in your community and the people who you work with uh, over the like past couple of months? I think it ranges. I think there's a huge, huge range. When I have actually been working this whole time because we're also um, have a social work background in addition to service industry. So we've done that. I know some people, and and now she is back to bartending. Um, I know some people who have hopped into just doing like to-go um, restaurant work or like, you know, working at pizza places that are doing to-goes and or people that are on standby and have been on standby this whole time. So I do think that there's a huge range and I don't know if I can speak to everybody because even within my circle of service industry folks, it's been such different experiences. The range is really a big part of it. I know where I was working before this. So we, we had, most of us had been working right before uh, COVID hit. At, we, we had kind of split off and we're working at different different restaurants. And, and where I was at, even if we reopened, like given that like, I'm on standby, they keep saying three weeks, we'll see. Um, it's been three weeks or two months, so we'll see. But I do know that whenever they reopen, I'll be the first person to go back just because of the job I had there. But for most of the front end and back of house, like even at the fullest reopen that could happen this year, there there's really no chance that a lot of those people are going to be brought back. So like they're technically on standby, but they like there is no kind of assumption that works coming back. And so it's really been a different situation for everyone. I also want to add on, I think that my answer would differ if we were doing this a week from now. I think that the CARES Act ending and no other package getting approved by Congress is a game changer. Um, I think that I have a lot of friends who do, I rely on that immensely. And I have a lot of friends who also rely on that, um, that CARES Act so much and that ending and Congress not approving any other form of aid um, is going to drastically change the course of how this industry is looking in a month. It's certainly an industry that's getting hit mega hard. (laughs) And 
Um, and that there's just a range of difficulties, you know, our, we don't servers, bartenders don't make minimum wage. So we rely on tips. So if people aren't walking through the door, we're not making tips. We're not making a livable wage. We need people to come in the door. We also need to be people to be careful and distancing when they come in the door. Cause if there's a positive case that pops up in our restaurant, we're shut down. Everybody's out of work. Went from working at one restaurant with all these folks ended up working at the shelter with Lorna for four or five months. And then I'm now at a completely different restaurant. 80% of the staff is different there than it was pre COVID. Every single one of the kitchen staff or majority of our undocumented individuals that never got employment that are trying to catch up financially. If it shuts down anymore, they're, you know, they're, they're screwed. And that's, the reality of our industry right now. And it's, it's really difficult. And so I work Mondays, which is known to be an industry night. And I'm now working doubles on Mondays. So serving 7.45 AM bartending up until like 9.30 PM. And that I still get a lot of industry people coming in on Mondays. That tradition hasn't failed. My whole restaurant, all the seating is outside. So it's operating it feels a little different than a lot of other restaurants are operating because it's able to safely operate uh, more effectively than other restaurants. But a lot of people come in and I constantly am hearing every, yeah, everybody's having a different experience. <laughs> like, everybody's like, Oh, I bailed and, and I went to this industry or I'm hanging on there. Or, I'm lucky I had savings or I don't know what I'm going to do. Like pour me a double. <laughs> like, it's just, it's insane. But we're at what's cool is that all those people are checking in on me and I'm checking in on them. And that's that's what's incredible about this industry. I I hope I hope that I don't know. I, I, I hope for it. I hope that it finds some healing at some point. Um, I under, also understand why it hasn't. And I also understand why we have to be careful and safe. And so it's, it's certainly tricky. Bell. Do you know of any, like, I think when all this first started, like all the restaurants closed or many back in March, no, the full shutdown happened back in March. Is that correct? March 16th, right? March 16th. Yeah, March okay. 16th. Okay. Oh. That was pretty much glued in and brains for all of us. We yeah. all know what we were Never doing when we that. found out. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Where I were was, you? <laughs> I was with Betty and we were drinking. <laughs> The whole bar got like the notification at the same time and found out. Like what? No way. The bar, the owner of the bar that we were at, was like, "All right," and he called up all his employees, brought out a bunch of like bottles from behind the bar, and just let the employees drink for free all night. (laughs) My husband works in the brewery industry, and we were at Rubens. Uh, It was like St. Patty's Day when we got the news, and I just remember like. There were so many old people out on St. Patty's Day, and I was sitting there, and I was like, you're my parents' age. Go home. <laughs> I'm pretty much dodging anyone with white hair I see for the last five months. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What was that like, hearing that news, like, going back to March 16th? Because then it, like, that was, like, an unprecedented announcement, right? And then you know, things just kept like every day. It was like, we heard something new about coronavirus or just something in the world. So what was it like hearing that? What were your, what were your initial reactions? I wasn't surprised. Um, Not surprised at all. I, yeah, I wasn't surprised at all because in the weeks leading up to that, um, we all saw our one, like just our, 
our patrons and sales decline. Uh, I usually work events at one of our bars and the last month I'll probably work like two to three events a week. And I think 80%, 85, 90% of them canceled uh, the last month before from February until March 16th. Um, and I think it was just inevitable. Bella and I were like, all right, yeah. when's it, when's it going to happen? Let's see. We it happened in California. <laughs> we weren't making money. I was already at the point where yeah. I was like, I'm not making a livable age for like maybe oh. two or three weeks before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Like we, it, it was just, wasn't it was making stressful to work too. Like it was, ho- Oh my God. Cause I mean, this was before anyone knew what to, I remember like every day at my restaurant, we were trying to come up with what can we do to make people feel safer? And like, I, now it's probably things that would make more sense, except that things like get rid of half your tables um, just weren't, were, were not on the table at the time. <laughs> and I mean, I think we all had our like hands were all cracked from watching them compulsively every 30 uh, seconds. I used to go back in the kitchen and put a glove on to scratch my face. <laughs> like, Don't touch your face. It was just no, I, 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 there was a part of me, I think that was relieved when we found out that didn't have to go back to work. We could, that was on the assumption that it would be a couple weeks. <laughs> I also think I've seen this really interesting shift since March too, and that that decision and these decisions that have come out every week, essentially since then um, it's made people who weren't in attention to Congress or what happens in Congress or what gets passed in the federal level or even the local level. It's made those decisions and those votes directly impact people that I don't think like needed to read the news or needed to pay attention or needed to see who was in office. But when it's literally those decisions and those votes are paying for your rent, um, suddenly people are very, very aware of every one of those decisions. And, and it was interesting because I, I did work, um, I was actually working at a restaurant bar in LA for over the winter. Um, and I worked with some folks who I don't think ever read the news and, you know, each, they will not teach their own, like that's a privilege. Um, but suddenly they were paying attention leading up to the March 16th closure. They were paying attention to the news every single day because it was going to directly impact. Blah, 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 blah. And I think that that has had, that has carried over into people paying a lot more attention to all these other folks and all these other news items and all these other things that are happening um, because it's primed folks to give a fuck. I think especially with the CARES Act, a lot of the, one of the most surprising things for a lot of people was that there was any additional money for unemployment. Like, cause I think especially in so many of the restaurant people, I feel like especially back of house just don't expect to be supported in any way. Um, and for our listeners outside of the restaurant industry, what's back of house? The, the kitchen. So you'd be your kitchen staff. Um, and, and yeah, front of house servers, bartenders, back of house, kitchen dishwashers. Um, there's probably more to it, but that's the simple of it. And uh, I, I just had, I had friends who were like, oh, like, I'm not going to get unemployment. I don't deserve that. Like, I mean, people just don't, not thinking that these systems were for them to a degree. But You spoke to something that I've been thinking a lot about too. And it's also this awareness of where this money is coming from. Okay. So there's like, we're talking of like millions and trillions of these unemployment packages and these aid packages. 
And it was also, I think, alarming for people to realize, oh, the gov- oh, the government suddenly has money to spend on these obvious humanitarian universal, we could all be making a fucking livable wage. And when push comes to shove, why wasn't that happening before? Um, and I think that that was a huge wake up call for people too. Yeah, that was definitely one of those things where it really makes you realize there's enough for everybody. Why in the richest country in the world is there not enough for people to go around? Just so people who are listening know, what is the current hourly rate for service? In Seattle, it's 13.50. That's obscenely high compared to the rest of the nation. I think in like the Midwest, it's still 270 something. I think the federal is like seven something. (laughs) If you're working in the service industry... Um, it's going to be even lower than that because as the laws go, like the tips will make up for it. But in reality, there are still folks in a lot of states who end up sometimes if, if their shifts were going like ours were right before COVID, they would probably owe the restaurant money. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for walking through that. That's what I want people to know. I, Once upon a time, I was in the the restaurant industry for about 10 years, and that was so surprising to my friends and family outside of it that, yes, I was actually getting paid $2.75 an hour. And yes, it really hurts when people only tip me 10% because that's not even a gallon of gas usually. Mm -hmm. So thanks for walking through that. Uh, So our last question before we wrap up is throughout all this, how can people get involved and how can people help specifically for you guys? Order drinks from us. For spicy food lovers, there is a spicy option every week. And oh man, when there is fire in a title. Wait till I would also like to just pat ourselves on the back about our names of the drinks. (laughs) We we have a a thread going on with each other where we're like, fuck, what are we gonna call the one this week? Like, here are all the ingredients, and we'll just throw out really ridiculous names. And I think that my favorite so far has been the peanut butter whiskey drink because it had two names. And that was what PB, PB and PB and recall Jenny Durkin and then defund SPD's nuts. (laughs) Probably my favorite. I think of our names. Which one? The spritz me daddy. Oh yeah. The cares act extension. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love these. I'm flipping through your Instagram again. And I, I'm i not going to read these off so that people that are listening will go go see what other... Uh, yeah, I won't spoil it, but there's some creativity here. I'm impressed. So just people following bootleg.babes, ordering. You know, we talked about how the CARES Act has... It's done at this point. And for people out there who have jobs... <laughs> who are sustaining regular income. Those are the people I really would like to see to start, you know, consistently ordering. I think you have the money to do it. It's really, they're really fucking good cocktails. Plus it's, y'all are never going to be able to make them like. Yeah, and seriously. And we <laughs> yeah, deliver, it, no we way. deliver it to you. You never have to leave your house in the entire process of it ever. It's delivered to your door. Like just and adult do Capri it. Fun baggies that are compostable. Yeah, it's compostable. You just add ice. You can walk around the streets like it's Vegas. And I do sometimes with our drinks. I know you do. (laughs) I want my Capri Sun baggie. I'm going to put on some simple plan and just like. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Oh, what's your favorite Simple Plan song? I'm just a kid. <laughs> the, the visual to all of this is next Friday. We back Fridays are our batch days where we like go to one of our apartments and we batch all the drinks. And I I I just want to visualize this for you: small apartment, blasting Simple Plan, filling all of these sticky fucking fruit juices and sugar and alcohol and I swear Betty's kitchen is never going to be the same ever. <laughs> after this ever. it's so sticky every day, every week but simple plan will now be next Friday's um, batch playlist thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much Tobias, Betty, Lorna and Belle thank you for taking on the risk to donate because while it's a little bit of a low risk like this is something you guys are doing that is helping in a really real way. Keep doing what you're doing. I might be placing an order for a spicy cocktail or two. Just saying. Thank (laughs) you. The pleasure is all ours. Bye. We'd like to give a big thank you to the Bootleg Babes for joining us. And if you're in Seattle, check out their cocktails on Instagram at bootleg.babes. Thank you to our producers, Lee Callahan and Sarah Cannon, as well as our project manager, Fienwin. And to our other team members, Sam Cannon and Josh Weaver. Thank you also to the producer of our theme song, Nicole Tiravilla Mala. Check him out for some awesome music. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. 